You're listening to River City Revival. This is Reverend Liz Jackson. Today's sermon is True Word of Yah, the three Abrahamic religions, Jews, Christians, and Muslims. As always, in the description box of this podcast, you will find a link to Lion's Tears Ministry where you can read this information and continue to build your relationship with our one true creator. This sermon is going to use the Acts of John for its opening so that we get a clearer understanding of what Abba Yah, Father God, is telling us. A brief history on the Acts of John. The Acts of John is, quote-unquote, considered apocryphal by your religions. Um, the Acts of John is written by John, who, you know, walked with Jesus, so why would we not want to look at more of his writings and learn more about our Messiah, about the miracles that were performed, not only by our Messiah, but by the disciples as well. For whenever God dwells within you, you have the power of God. And so the Lord God has shown me things and has told me that a lot of things that, you know, the world classifies as witchcraft is actually things that we are supposed to know. Yes, fallen angels have corrupted us. Enoch tells us about the legion of angels that, you know, left their first estate, that got bound for all eternity, because that's what God says. He said he bound them to the end times, not eternity, to the end times. So, why wouldn't we want to read more from John? John wrote the book of Revelation. That's the most powerful book in existence, I feel. Because not only did John see the first and the last, but when you understand the book of Revelation, you understand how the Lord God came to deliver us so that we could be free. I've always told you that the Lord God speaks to me. He speaks to me through numbers. I understand how to read a Strong's Hebrew and Greek concordance. I understand how to match numbers to words and to get those definitions to God's word so that we can accurately discern his word from the word of the world, also known as the word and law of the serpent. But anyway, a week ago today, I changed my phone number. I did it for many reasons, one being that I'm in love, and that love is the most amazing feeling in the world. It's not that I love him, I am in love with him. And if you know anything about your twin flame, because that's biblical too, the Lord God says that he made man and woman, and the two become one joining of mind, body, and soul. Twin flame knowledge teaches you how to be receptive of the other half of your soul. 
You have to understand, brothers and sisters, that God is in everything. And it's up to us and our intentions on how we use his word to either shine our lights or cause more chaos and destruction. So I changed my phone number a week ago. And being that I live in St. Louis, it's a St. Louis phone number. So the Lord God said, put your phone number into the Greek concordance for the New Testament is the same words as the Old Testament, just delivered and displayed differently. Because the message has always been, there's one God. God formed Adam out of the dust and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Adam and Eve populate the world. Here comes Enoch, who learns more because he walks with God. Now, during all this time, the world is corrupted because Adam and Eve left their first estate. They left their holy bodies. They chose to go the way of the serpent. And we're going to touch on that here in a minute. But the Lord God said, put your phone number in the Greek concordance. So I did. G314 means to read, to know, accurately, to acknowledge. G378 means to complete, fulfill, to accomplish by obedience. And then G5882 means alpha. So my message from God reads, to read, to know accurately, to acknowledge, to complete, fulfill, to accomplish by obedience, alpha. The Lord God writes to me often in many different ways. Sometimes it's license plates. Again, sometimes it's just random numbers. Um, this time it was my phone number. You find the Greek word 314 in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12 talks about John and the disciples being in the city of Ephesus. There's no coincidence that God has called me to write as the angel of Ephesus. That is my ordained duty to fulfill. During this time, when I changed my phone number, I hadn't written a sermon since May 25th of this year. Because, again, I was dealing with mental things because life is changing for me. And I didn't quite know how to handle it. Plus, I fell in love. And I so did not know how to handle that. But, G314, again, is found in Matthew chapter 12. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 6, the Lord God told me to look up the word temple. And when I looked up the word temple, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 6, temple is the Greek word G2411. Because it talks about how John destroyed the temple of Artemis in Ephesus. Now, Artemis is the Roman god Diana. Artemis was the ruling god of Ephesus. And so God sent the Hebrews, not the Jews. 
the Hebrews, and there's a huge difference, also known as the disciples, who a lot of them spoke Greek and Hebrew, by the way, out into the world to talk about leaving idolatry. Now, this correlates with Abraham because if you remember, Abraham or Abram came from Chaldee, the city of Yor, where it was nothing but an idol fest. And we're going to talk about Abraham, of course, in this sermon as well. But you learn in Acts chapter 19, verses 28, more about the quote-unquote great mother goddess Diana. And then you move on to learn in Acts that there was a temple of Artemis. And when you learn these things through a phone number, you know that's God. So when God tells you to look up the temple of Artemis to do that historical research, I did just that. And then I got God in my head saying, the Acts of John. And I'm like, okay, the Acts of John. I know I have that because I have the link to the early Christian writing that I always include when we talk about extra, you know, biblical books. And I was like, okay, I haven't read the Acts of John. That was one that you haven't put in my heart yet. He said, okay, here, read the Acts of John. So I said, okay. So I read the Acts of John last night. And then God had me write the sermon last night as well. The Acts of John read. Let me set you up a little bit more here in just a second. About events that take place in the time Yahusha walked the earth up into his crucifixion and after. We're going to pick up in the Acts of John, um, chapter 94, where John is talking and recounting a dance that Jesus did with them. Now, before he was taken by the lawless Jews, who were governed by, had their law from the lawless serpent, he gathered all of us together and said, Before I am delivered up unto them, let us sing a hymn to the Father. And so go forth to that which lieth before us. He bade us therefore make, as it were, a ring holding one another's hands, and himself standing in the midst. He said, Answer amen to me. He began then to sing a hymn and to say, I will let you read the hymn yourself is very powerful it gave me chills and is very beautiful but to keep time because you know i like to ramble especially when i get to talk to you from just a liz human standpoint and not always just a minister anyway john says that the lawless jews were governed by the lawless serpent 
My question to you is this, if John, who wrote Revelation, states that the Jews were governed by the serpent, the fallen angel, Gabriel, that we learned about in the sermon, who is that snake in Eden? Um, Gabriel told Eve it was okay to sin, thus bringing about the chaos and destruction of this prison planet. If John claims this, then don't you think that the religions of the Jews Christians and Islam are all wrong. They've been corrupted. They've had those subtle changes that the Lord God warned us about all the way in Genesis. And if you read the book of Jubilees, the Lord God states clearly that from the time of creation was also the time of destruction because people lost their first estates. <clears throat> people forgot about God. And we're going to learn when God tells us that actual forgetting, that social amnesia took place. But shouldn't we examine the word of God and what it really says? If John, again, who wrote the book of Revelation and many other biblical books, he has John. He has 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He has Revelation. He also has the Acts of John that should be included in your Bibles, just like the rest, like the Acts of Peter, but it's not. So it's up to you to read. So now picking up on the Acts of John, chapter 98 through chapter 103. We pick up where Jesus is telling John about um, the cross. And John continues to say, recounting his experience, And having thus spoken, he showed me a cross of light fixed, set up, and about the cross a great multitude, not having one form. And in it the cross was one form and one likeness. And the Lord himself I beheld above the cross, not having any shape, but only a voice. And a voice not such as familiar to us, but one sweet and kind, and truly of God, saying unto me, John, it is needful that one should hear these things from me, for I have need of one that will hear. This cross is light. Sometimes the word by me for your sakes, sometimes mind, sometimes Jesus, sometimes Christ, sometimes door, sometimes a way, sometimes bread, sometimes the cross means seed, sometimes resurrection, sometimes the cross means son, as in capital son, or sometimes father, sometimes spirit, sometimes life, sometimes truth, sometimes faith, sometimes grace. And by these names it is called as towards men. But that which it is in truth, as conceived of in itself, and as spoken of unto you, it is the marking of all things, and the firm uplifting of things fixed out of things unstable. And the harmony of wisdom, and indeed wisdom in harmony, there are also the right hand and the left, 
powers also, authorities, lordships, and demons, workings, threatenings, wraths, devils, Satan, and the lower root once the nature of all the things that come into being proceeded. This cross, then, is that which fixed all things apart. By a word and separation of the things that are from those that are below it. And then also being one, streamed forth into all things, or made all things flow forth. But this is not the cross of wood, which thou will see when thou goes down hence. Neither am I he that is on the cross, whom now thou seest not, but only hears his voice. I was reckoned to be that which I am not, not being what I was unto many others. But they will call me, or say of me, something else, which is vile and not worthy of me. As then the place of rest is neither seen nor spoken of, much more shall I, the Lord, thereof be neither seen. Now the multitude of one aspect that is about the cross is the lower nature. And they whom thou seest in the cross, if they have not one form, it is because not yet has every member of him that come down been comprehended. But when the human nature or the upper nature is taken up and the race which dwells or draws near unto me and obeys my voice, he that now heareth me shall be united wherewith and shall no more be that which he is now. But above them as I now also am, for so long as thou callest not thyself mine, I am not that which I am or was. But if thou hear me, thou hearing shall be as I am, and I shall be that which I was when I when I thee as I am with myself. For from me thou art that which I am. Care not, therefore, for the many, and them that are outside the mystery despise. For know thou that I am holy with the Father, and the Father with me. Chapter 101 Nothing, therefore, of the things which they will say of me have I suffered, nay, that suffering also which I showed unto thee, and the rest in the dance. I will it be called a mystery. For what art thou, thou seest, for I showed it to thee, but what am I alone, no, and no man else? Suffer me then to keep that which is mine, and that which is thine, behold thou through me. And behold me in truth that I am, not what I said, but what thou art able to know, because thou art akin hereto. Thou hearest that I suffered, yet did I not suffer, that I suffered not, yet did I suffer that I was pierced, yet I was not smitten, hanged, and I was not hanged, that blood flowed from me, and it flowed not. And in a word, what they say of me, that shall befall me not, but what they say not, 
that I that did I suffer. Now what those things are I signify unto thee, for I know that thou art will understand. Perceive thou therefore in me the praising of the word logos, the piercing of the word, the blood of the word, the wound of the word, the hanging up of the word, the suffering of the word, the nailing of the word, the death of the word. And so I, separating off the manhood, perceived thou therefore in the first place of the word. Then shall thou perceive the Lord, and in the third place, the man, and what he has suffered. So we're going to back up a little bit, because that was a lot. So God himself is telling John what the cross means. The cross means God. The cross means Jesus. The cross means faith. The cross means harmony and wisdom and uplifting. It means the bond between the darkness and the light. The Lord God said that this cross then is that which fixed all things apart. By the word and the separation of the things that are from those that are below. And then also being one streamed forth into all things. The Lord God's light. The Lord God's word. The Lord God's wisdom. That is that spiritual cross. When the Lord God says the cross is the door. When you knock on it and ask God for wisdom and he opens that to you, that is opening your mind to more knowledge, to his instructions, and to his word, not man. Why is this important? Because the Lord says Therefore, of the things which they will say of me, have I suffered, nay, that suffering also which I showed unto thee in the rest of the dance, that will be called a mystery. The mystery, brothers and sisters, again, is turning this world upside down in the way Peter was crucified, so that you know, just as the potter, who is God, made everything and states in Isaiah, surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. We have to start turning this world upside down. And this sermon is going to do just that, as we see. Because, again, John said the Jews were corrupt. Well, we have three religions stemming from Jewish backgrounds. The Jewish religion... Christianity, and Islam. Now, I'm not saying they're all 100% wrong because there's elements of God in everything. But it's been corrupted because John himself, who not only walked with Jesus, but 
you know, was taken up and given visions by God himself, states the Jews were corrupt. So therefore, after Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection, there's a point, and we all know, because the lovely Roman Catholic Church hides and manipulates things, that over the years, things have become more and more corrupt. Rome, I'm sure, was the one that corrupted the Jews. Jews went into captivity. We all have, you know, captive minds going on. But that doesn't mean we all have to bask in that indoctrination anymore. So I did a brief um, historical search. I used Wikipedia this time. On the three Abrahamic religions. And the Abrahamic religions, also collectively referred to as the world of Abrahamism, are a group of religions that claim descent from the worship of the God of Abraham, an anti-Semitic religion of the Bronze Age, and the Ishmaelites, whom they called Abraham Hanif before Islam, the direct predecessor of various ancient Israel sects, Include the remaining two extant Israelite religions of Judaism and Samaritanism, with all other Abrahamic religions descending from Judaism. The Abrahamic religions are monotheistic, with the term deriving from the patriarch Abraham, a major figure described in the Torah, Tanakh, Bible, and Quran, variously recognized by Jews, Samaritans, Christians, Muslims, and others. The three major Abrahamic religions trace their origins to the first two sons of Abraham. For Christians and Jews, it is his second son, Isaac, and for Muslims, his elder son, Ishmael. Abrahamic religions spread globally through Christianity being adopted by the Roman Empire in the 4th century and Islam by the Umayyad empire from the 7th century. Today, the Abrahamic religions are one of the major divisions in comprehensive religion, or in comparative religion, excuse me, along with Indian, Iranian, and East Asian religions. The major Abrahamic religions in chronological order of founding are Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Christianity, Islam, and Judaism are the Abrahamic religions with the greatest number of adherents. Abrahamic religions with fewer adherents include the by faith Druism, sometimes considered a school of Islami, and Sumerianism, and Rastafari. So I don't know any more about those separate religions um, Druism or Sumerianism or Ba'i faith, I don't know. Um, right now, we're just going to focus on Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So, my question to you is this. Who is the God of Abraham? Well, we learned in the Book of Jubilees that Abram went through a whole process of change within his mind, body, and spirit, which is what the Lord God wants us all to do. 
So we're going to read Jubilees chapter 12, verses 16 through 29. And if you have ever heard a sermon um, preached on how Noah divides the land, this may sound um, similar to you. We talked about how it was in the days of Noah. We've talked about you know, Abraham, we've done lineage research that we still need to conclude as well. But as God directs our steps to knowledge, we can only go where he leads us. So yeah, to me, sometimes it feels like things are chaotic and a mess, but he says, no, these sermons have to go this way. So who is the God of Abraham? Jubilees chapter 12, 16 through 29 states, And in the sixth week and the fifth year thereof, Abram sat up throughout the night on the new moon of the seventh month to observe the stars from the evening to the morning, in order to see what would be the character of the year with regards to rains, and he was alone as he sat and observed. Let me pause there for a minute. Old Farmer's Almanac, the farmers, ancient, you know, Native Americans, ancient South Americans, the entire world used to go by the sun, moon, and stars. People consider that witchcraft. It's all about intent, brothers and sisters. The Lord God gave us road maps. The Lord God gave us directions. The Lord God gave us everything. It is how we use it to glorify the Lord or to throw our lives that he created back in his face and tell him he's no good. Let's continue with Jubilees. And a word came into his heart and he said, all the signs of the stars and the signs of the moon and of the sun are all in the hand of the Lord. Why do I search them out? You ever ask yourself, why do I seek this when I know it's in God's hands? I ask myself that all the time. Why do I fear when I know God has this? Because it's human nature. Anyway, Jubilees continues to say, If he desires, he causes it to rain morning and evening. And if he desires, he withholds it, and all things are in his hands. And he prayed that night and said, My God, God most high, Thou alone art my God, and thee and thy dominion have I chosen. And thou hast created all things, and all things that are the works of thy hand. Deliver me from the hands of evil spirits who have dominion over the thoughts of men's hearts. And let them not lead me astray from thee, my God. And establish thou me and my seed forever, that we may not astray from henceforth and forevermore. And he said, I shall return unto your of the Chaldees who seek my face that I may return to them. Am I to remain there in this place? The right path before thee prosper it in thy hands of thy servant that he may fulfill it and that I may not walk in the deceitfulness of my heart. O oh my God. And he made an end of speaking and praying and behold, the word of the Lord was sent to him through me saying, Get thee up from thy country, and from thy kindred, and from the house of thy father, into the land which I will show thee, and I will make thee a great and numerous generation and nation. And I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be blessed in the earth. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And I will bless them that blesses thee, and curse them that curses thee. 
And I will be a God to thee and thy son and thy son's son and to all thy seed. Fear not from henceforth and unto all generations of the earth. I am thy God. And the Lord God said, open his mouth and his ears that he may hear and speak with his mouth with the language which has been revealed for it has ceased from the mouths of all the children of men from the day of the overthrow of Babel. And I opened my, and I opened his mouth and his ears and his lips, and I began to speak with him in Hebrew in the tongue of the creation. And he took the books of his fathers, and these were written in Hebrew, and he transcribed them, and he began from henceforth to study them. And I made known to him that which he could not understand, and he studied them during the six rainy months. And it came to pass in the seventh year of the sixth week that he spoke to his father and informed him that he would leave Haran to go to the land of Canaan to see it and to return to him. And Terah his father said unto him, Go in peace. May the eternal God make thy path straight and the Lord be with thee and protect thee from all evil and grant unto thee grace mercy and favor before those who see thee and may none of the children of men have power over thee to harm thee. Go in peace. Everyone has forgotten who they were after the Tower of Babel. The Lord God instructed an angel, and I have some information on that because remember I dissected my phone book, or not my phone book, my telephone number, into the Greek Hebrew concordance book and discovered that Remember in a couple other sermons, I have talked about how there was a town clerk or a scribe in every government entity now and before. Well, the Lord God had a scribe. The scribe was an angel who wrote the book of Jubilees. And the Greek word for scribe is G1122. And it's important to understand that because that's also found in Acts chapter 19 verses 35 where we are learning about how Ephesus was destroyed, what the cross really stands for, and how the Jews were corrupt by the serpent doctrination. That is what God has been telling us from the beginning. That is what God has told us from the dawn of time to now. It's been corrupt. It is on us brothers and sisters, to learn what God says and to apply him in our life and to see the world as God's and not as the enemy's. Because when we give over to the enemy, we give the enemy our power. We are giving the enemy God's power if God resides within us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have got to wake up from your collective amnesia. You have to. Do you remember that? We talked about collective amnesia. We talked about how melanin is in everybody. Okay? We have talked about collective amnesia. The Lord God specifically states in the book of Jubilees that at the time of the Tower of Babel, everybody forgot who they were. Hebrew wasn't spoken anymore. Nobody was studying the word of God. So then here comes Abraham on his knees pleading to a God he doesn't even know for deliverance. And when God delivered him, he told 
Abraham that his seed would be many and would be for God's glory. But we have brother against brother as the word of God stated from the beginning. We saw from the beginning brother against brother, Cain killing Abel. Now we see Christians, Muslims, and Jews fighting each other on a daily basis. Whether it's in Gaza, whether it's in our communities, whether it's wherever we are. These are supposed to be the three religions of a man who did not know God, who was taught to read God's word so that he could become free from the sin and destruction that he was living in during the time of his life. When you search out God with your whole heart and mind, you become aware of how corrupt this world is. And I think a lot of times people don't try to find God because that fear of being a new creature, being lost with God, scares people. When it's just you and God and you don't have the world or your friends or your family, that can be scary. But I promise you the transformation at the end of it is well worth it. I promise you that. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're going to recap on what social amnesia means. Social amnesia is a collective forgetting by a group of people. Who was the group of people that were alive during the time of Babel where the Lord God confounded all the language? A.K.A. the entire world was. A.K.A. the entire world was confused. A.K.A. the world was put under collective amnesia. So whenever people like Abraham, who come to God wholeheartedly, who has nothing else to lose, states a prayer and finally gives in and says, enough is enough. This social amnesia cloud of forgetfulness, of lost memories, of repression is lifted. When we give ourselves to God, we no longer forget who we are because we are found in Him. Again, the Book of Jubilees was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls between 1947 and 56. Approximately 15 Jubilee scrolls were found in five caves at Qumran, all written in Hebrew. The Book of Jubilees, sometimes called the Lesser Genesis, is an ancient Jewish religious work of 50 chapters, considered canonical by the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, as well as Beta Israel, which is an Ethiopian Jewish sect. It is important to know who we are. John says that the Jews of the time were corrupt by the indoctrination of the serpent. John writes that in John 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and in the book of Revelation. So therefore, what John said in the Acts of John is consistent with what John has said before. So therefore, we can tell the Acts of John to be an accurate account of things 
when John is consistent with his word. Now, I honestly believe that the religions of the world didn't want you to see the act of John's because we learned what the cross really represents. We must remember that we have to unlearn what we have been taught. And we must go back to God. God is trying to tell us that religion kills and destroys and hinders and keeps us all down. Brothers and sisters, what God wants is for us to be united. That's all he's ever wanted. Was for us to unite. And to worship him. That's the key. When we believe in God with all our heart and all our mind. There is nothing that he can't do for us. Nothing. All our needs are met. All our fears are gone. All our anxiety is at bay. And yeah, sometimes we're going to be triggered by the world. But then we turn to God and we visualize him standing there next to us. And we say, what's going on? Please help me. And then we do everything we can in our power to go back to our coping skills, to go back to the word of God, to go back to what he has taught us so that we can refresh and renew our hearts and minds. Change is a continual process. Change doesn't stop one day and says, okay, I'm done and over with. You know everything that you need to know. Unless you die, because then you take on a different change. And who's to say you don't continue to learn in the afterlife? Because I believe in God. So I believe that when we pass away, God still teaches us. Because our souls go back to God. And that is what he said. Now that the door to heaven is open again and the veil is lifted, we are able to communicate, to see God. Even before we die, we are able to transform our lives. And that is what he wants. Because the Lord God that I know, he is not a God of hate or violence or war. What I've come to understand is that my karma, my karmatic energy has consequences. When I think negative, here comes something negative. That's the law of positive and negativity. That is the law of magnets. That is the law of the universe. That is God's law. The Lord God says we reap what we sow. So if Greek Jew are not Greek, but Jews, Christians, and Muslims are sowing hate and division. So, what do you think is going to happen? Hate and division, and people are going to die. Because war has never had anything good come of it. Maybe until the end where you have a stupid document stating you have peace. But then here comes someone else uneducated and unwilling to learn and sit down starting up a whole nother war brothers and sisters when we get our hearts and minds back to god the fighting will end the animosity towards people we don't understand will end and i believe that whenever we come back under the umbrella of god's word and 
really learn what God's word tells us and we apply it within ourselves, we apply it within our homes, and then we apply it in our communities, we make the change God wants. It's important to understand these three religions and why they are the way they are. The Bible tells you exactly why they are the way they are. You just have to have your discernment and your eyes and ears open and able to hear and see. I pray that you read the Acts of John. I pray that if you have Muslim, Christian, or Jew friends, you ask them why we can't get along and sit down and have an open discussion. Because I don't understand. Everyone says that they're of God, but they don't act like it. And that in itself, that's the serpent's indoctrination causing division, causing us to hate each other. That's not what God told Abraham. God said, I will make your sons, your seed, great nations. God did not tell Abraham that one son was better than the other. God did not tell Abraham that I am going to be with Isaac and desert Ishmael. God never said that. If you read the book of Jubilees and Yasher, you learn how God was still with Ishmael. And God is still with the Muslims today. Just like God is still with Christians and Jews today. So why can't we see that this quote-unquote unholy trinity, because that's what it is. There's no coincidences in things. God showed me that the other day. God said this trinity could be the holy trinity could set the new standard for the entire world because it would bring every element of God's word back together. Do you guys not see that? We have Jews who believe the ancient word of God and no Messiah. We have Christians who believe in the Messiah and not so much the ancient word of God which is the same as what Jesus was preaching, the same gospel, just in a different way. And then we have Islam, who believes in the Torah, who believes Muhammad was a great prophet, who believes that Christians and Jews were wrong. John himself even says, the lawless Jews who were governed by the serpent. So, not everyone can be right, and not everyone can be wrong. What all three of these religions need to do is sit down and learn what is the same. When we come under God and we set across from each other, and we talk as God would want nations to talk 
especially nations that say, hey, I believe in God. God wants you to sit down, nation of Israel, and the nation of Palestine, because Palestine's always been a nation. We've covered that. And then whomever else wants to stand up for the Christians, everyone needs to sit down and start from the beginning. Whether you start in the book of Genesis or in the book of Jubilees or in the book of other sources that we're not privy to, these three religious leaders have this information and they are choosing to cause and continue the destruction and chaos in the Middle East. Because once one side surrenders and says, we need to stop brothers and sisters from killing each other, I honestly believe God will be moving sooner rather than later. And I honestly believe that that's partly why these three religions will not come and talk to each other. Again, I want to reiterate that I'm not religious. I am definitely spiritual. I see God in everything. I see God for who he is. God is my father. God is amazing when you come to know him. And you take him out of the confines of religion. These three religions have elements of God in it. I'm not saying that they don't. But what they have more so than God within them is the law or the lawlessness of the serpent. And that's something we all need to understand because once the Jews were governed by the wrong doctrine, everything else began to be corrupted. And that's the takeaway of this. These three religions have corrupted God's word so much that all they can do now is destroy and fight each other. And that's sad to say. But it's been like that since the dawn of time. I pray that you continue to read the Acts of John because, oh, brothers and sisters, before verse 94, very informative, very eye-opening, very enlightening, and very calming. I pray that you continue to study and prove yourself learned. Do not perish for lack of knowledge because knowledge has been given to you. Do not perish because you can't make time to learn and love God in the way he reveals himself to you, not the world. Do you think Abraham learned about God from the world? No, he did not. He sat and he prayed to God, our creator, who taught him how to read the holy words of God himself. So it's about time, brothers and sisters, that we put our differences aside, find our common ground, and turn back to the Lord God Almighty. As always, it's never goodbye, but I'll see you later.